First of all, hallelujah! It is, it's fourth and 26. McNabb is back. He's looking. He is firing. And it is caught by Freddie Mitchell. And Bazarchik fumbles the football. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Sundays for the Birds, baby. We are here for a Viking funeral. Send them boys out to the Delaware River. Throw that flame and arrow out to them. <laughs> Viking funeral. But before we get to that, you already know I'm the mayor of John Street, joined by my partner in crime, my co-host, my motherfucking dog, Kyle. Not so sharp, Kyle. What's going on, bro? Two and zero. Oh, Eagles fans could be happy. I mean, I know there's some question marks on the team, but anytime... you know, you you think we'd be happy as Eagles fans, but uh... <laughs> anytime you're on the feed to start the year, though, it's always a positive uh, development. Yeah, and you know what? It, it it didn't look great, right? It it was kind of a sloppy game, a little bit of a pedal fest. You probably don't win that game if the Vikings figure out a way to hold on to the fucking football. Um, Four turnovers without an interception. How rare! Oh is that? my god, it's wild, fucking yeah. wild. Um, but at the end of the day, if you have to make corrections, it's always better to do it while you're winning, right? Um, figure it out while you're still winning games. We're 2-0. Um, we got a little bit of a long week to think about it here, leading into Monday Night Football next week against the uh, against the Bucks. So, well, you know, you talked about adjusting, you know, during the game, and, and props to Brian Johnson for that. That's one of the toughest things to do for an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator, for that matter, is to have a game plan because they clearly wanted to throw the ball, and then being able to adjust on the fly, realize the run game's working, and stick with that and have success, and and ultimately win the game. That, that's Always great to see from your coordinators is being able to adjust on the fly. For sure. And uh, you mentioned the run game there. And let me just go ahead and pull this up here. It was an absolute fucking day on the ground for the birds. 259 yards rushing. And it was an absolute coming out party for DeAndre Swift. All right. So so I like this switch up. You know, normally we start off negative and then we end with positive. So, you know, this time we're, we're getting into the positives before the negatives. I, I like to switch up. Um, DeAndre Swift, he, he looked absolutely great, right? Like he's always been uber talented. Not only was he, you know, making the cuts, you know, making guys miss, but he's also finishing runs with power, which is something you don't always see out of him. Yeah. He was running angry yesterday and, you know, w watching him play, like he just, he like, I know Penny didn't do great, 
uh, Boston Scott got injured, obviously, but watching Swift run last night, like he just does things that Kenny Gainwell can't do. And to see Gainwell start over him week one, it really raises some, you know, questions for me. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, you know, when you had that kind of waiting in the wings, it, it really is a wonder why you featured Kenny Gainwell so much in week one and why you only got the ball to, to Swift. I think it was two times in week one, right? Um, but 28 carries, 175 yards, 6.3 yard average, one touchdown, and a long of 43. I mean, like I said, that boy was running downhill. That boy was running angry. And, um, you know, if you notice, too, once we started running the ball late in the game, um, when we did have to pass, the pass protection picked up also. You know, I think there's something to be said for running the ball early and getting your offensive linemen awake, you know. Your O-linemen live to run block. They'll pass block, but they live to run block. So you brought up the O-line. How do you feel about the O-line? Like, you know, for as great as they are, and, you know, they've always been a, I don't say always, but they've been a top unit in the league now for a couple of years. I feel like through the first two games, I feel like they've kind of struggled, mainly in pass protection, but I feel, I feel like they struggled. And the Vikings, you know, Daniel Hunter's a good player, but he's not what he was a couple of years ago. But outside of that, they really don't have a lot on the defensive side of the ball. So how, how do you feel about the offensive line and its play through the first two weeks? I mean, I'll be honest with you, they're, they're struggling, particularly where, where pass blocking is concerned. You know, like the Vikings weren't really, they weren't rushing more than three all that often yesterday. They were running a three-man front a majority of the game. Uh, they were they were playing that kind of a 3-3. Three, three. Um, I think the big thing is, and so I'll kind of I'll kind of rotate this into what I think is kind of wrong with the offense right now. I think the league has kind of figured out how to play the RPO, and it's with this 3-3 three, three kind of a front where you slow play everything and, you know, you almost kind of disguise yourself. Right, so the RPO is designed around the offense's ability to react to what the defense does when you bait them. And if they sit back and they don't give you anything to react to and just let you run into a mistake, it seems to be hurting the Eagles. And and to be honest with you, I think they need to move away from the RPO game a little bit more. And, you know, to be honest with you, my boy Jalen needs to step it up when it comes to his ability to read defenses. So you said a really key nugget there for me, and it was RPOs is reactionary off what the defense is showing you. And, you know, you know you've always been a Jalen truther. You know, I, I was pessimistic in the beginning, and, I, you know, I ate my words. But for as good as he played last year, for as much as he's improved, the one part of his game that he still struggles at is reading the defense. And I, I think... Part of the reason the RPOs haven't been as successful is some of the times he's reading the defense, I think he's making the wrong read. He's keeping the ball when he should be giving it to the running back. You know, he's throwing the ball when he shouldn't be. He's not throwing the ball when he should be. Like, he's making the wrong decisions on the RPO. And I, I, I agree right. to an extent. This season, and I think it's because the defense is slow playing it and not yeah. giving him anything to react to. I, I think to an extent, I think maybe the league has caught up to the RPO a little bit, but it's still an effective thing, right? Like, you know, when you put, it's almost like the triple threat in basketball, right? Like you have everything at your disposal. It's so hard to be able to defend that when you have any option available. But of course, the, you know, the defense is caught up to it like a little bit. Like you see this throughout any sport in any league, 
is something new will come up. It'll look unstoppable. Teams will adjust a little bit, and then, you know, it'll start to phase out and the new norm will come in. So, I mean, maybe that's what's happening here with the RPO. I don't know. But they've definitely struggled with the RPOs. And, and you said it, Jalen himself has struggled as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I love Jalen. You all know that. We're doing the podcast live from the Hertz Locker. Like, I'm still riding the J-Train. I told you all before, I've been on it since Tuscaloosa. I ain't getting off in South Philly. But the fact of the matter is, he's got to do a better job reading the defense, and he's got to get more comfortable passing from the pocket. Um, and you know what? The, back to the offensive line where this whole conversation started, he doesn't trust his protection right now. He does not trust the pocket. You, you see it. Time and time again this season so far, he breaks the pocket way early because he does not trust the protection. But so, again, even when he does break the pocket early, he just doesn't look like he's running with the same force that he was last year, if that makes sense to you. And, you know, again, we talked about reading the defenses and, and, you know, the RPOs and all that. And I think Jalen's going to be fine, right? Like, I just want to reference that. I think he's going to figure it out. I think he's going to have a fine season. Maybe not as good as he did last year. But I, th- I think he's going to be fine. But some of the passes that he's throwing just aren't like what he was throwing last year. Like, that pick that he threw over the middle of the field, like, the linebacker was right there, and he just, like, never saw him, right? Um, I think it was, like, maybe the first or second possession where they, you know, the defense was running a cover two and the corner was in that cloud. Goddard ran like this, you know, like go route up the sideline and he made the right read. He just made it like a second late. And like, that's the kind of stuff last year where he was like anticipating that stuff and he was throwing the ball on time. That was a completion as opposed to throwing it a second late and he sails and it goes out of bounds. Right. Yeah. And, and even that deep ball to, um, to AJ Brown, the, the second one after the penalty, uh, that one there, you know, just a, just a slight overthrow. Um, yeah, he underthrew Devontae that like one play. Like. to this point. Um, and, you know, if, if there's anybody I trust to watch the film and self-evaluate and, uh, you know, get in the lab and do what he's got to do, I, I think Jalen's going to do it. Uh, but we are running out of time. It, it's week two. We got that nasty stretch coming up in the middle of the season. And, you know, I just it, – it worries me, you know. Luckily, we got a cupcake game coming up here against against this Bucks team that we call it Tampa Bay. It's a cupcake game. Well, look, Tom Brady's not walking through them doors anytime soon. At some point, Baker Mayfield's going to Baker Mayfield. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know that I trust the coaching staff down there either. Right. So um, it's the NFL. Any team in the league can beat you on any mm-hmm. given week. I get it. Any given Sunday. Insert cliches here. Um but again, you know, if if you're looking at a part of the schedule to be figuring shit out, I mean this this is really it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think they should definitely figure it out now before they get into that tough schedule of the Chiefs, Bills, Niners, uh, Jets. You know, obviously, Los Angeles Rogers maybe not be as tough. I think they'll still be a tough out. Uh, it's yeah. definitely still gonna be a tough game. I mean. That defense is still fucking is still rock solid lights out. Yep, yep. I, yeah, I, th- I think these next couple games they'll figure it out. I, I want to you know circle back to something you you kind of referenced AJ Brown. You know you know he missed him on the deep ball. Um, there there was a you know a moment on the sideline where you know AJ Brown looked a little frustrated, rightfully so. Um, I'm not looking too much into it. I think AJ Brown's a great player. 
Um, I think, you know, every receiver's got a little bit of diva in him. I think as far as A.J. Brown, he's, you know, not like that as much. But like any star player, he wants the ball. He's a little frustrated. You know, the offense isn't playing great. He feels like if he can get the ball, he can contribute more. Right, and I think to that point, he only had like 17 yards. Yeah, so do, do you read anything into that? I think they have to be separated or maybe, you know, walked away from each other. You know, they're boys, obviously. You know, is everything good there? Are we expecting a big week three or is it just – you know, stuff underneath the dust, whatever. Well, you saw this last year too, right? And they came right back to him the following week with a with a, a noticeable difference in a game plan. Um, and and I kind of I talked about this a few times in the off season and and in week one. For whatever reason, we can never have a game where both receivers just have a great game. It's always one or the other, and I don't know if it's Jalen locking in on one target or what, but, you know, again, like I said, it's 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 always seems to be one or the other. It's either a Devontae game or an AJ game. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting how that works out, right? Yeah, it's not like – like Tampa, when, when Brady was down there, right, like you, you knew you could expect a solid game from Gronk, solid game from Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans was going to do what Mike Evans did. Right? There was never this, oh, one guy went off for 125 yards and two touchdowns, yeah. and the other guy had 50 yards and three receptions or some stupid shit like that. So so is that is that an issue for you? Do you think he's locking in on a guy, or do you think that's just kind of how it's been and maybe it'll correct itself? Or are we reading too much into it maybe? Well, I mentioned it last week. I, I think Jalen does struggle with locking in on one particular target. Mm. Um, I think Wentz had a, a pretty similar issue as well. I mean, he he loved throwing to Zach Ertz. And, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, he, he kind of got a little pissed off about that too. Um, well, listen, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and make Jalen Hurst to Carson Wentz comparisons. I know that's not exactly what you're doing. but No, no I'm not making comparisons. I'm just. Going, Not, going back in history here, I mean, it's it's something that happens with quarterbacks. They they find targets that they like, that they trust, and um, they seem to forget about everybody else from time to time. Yeah, yeah. I, Not I, saying that he's doing that. Obviously, A.J. Brown's his boy, but, yeah. you know, definitely seems like him and Devontae have something going on here early this season, and um, the plays just haven't really been there between him and number 11, so. No, that, that that's true. So ju- jumping back into the game, the, you know, the Eagles Vikings. I think it's kind of how both of us saw it going. The Eagles won a higher scoring game, kind of a weird game too. But t- talk to me about the defense, how it played. You know, we haven't talked about the injuries yet. I mean, that that's starting to become a, a growing concern, especially on the defense. Yeah, like I, you know, so I always say it right, like. Who wins the Super Bowl? It's not only normally like who's the best team because like there's only like a handful of teams that are capable of winning the Super Bowl every year, but it's also who can stay the healthiest throughout the season, right? Right. Well, and you saw it last year, right? Like we we really didn't get injured that bad last year. Like the injury bug for the most part left us alone last year outside mm-hmm. of losing Goddard for what five six weeks. Um, obviously, it helps when you have a guy like Lane Johnson who's got that fucking dog in him that's going to go out there and play hurt, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, the injuries are starting to mount early here and, you know, it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight. Uh, Boston Scott out, uh, he's in con- 
concussion protocol right now. Reed Blankenship uh, missed last night's game with a rib injury. Vontae Maddox, he's probably going to be out for a couple weeks here with a uh, with a pec tear. I uh, hate to see that. You know, you're starting to see these nagging kind of injuries pop up on Maddox. And, uh, you know, you hate to see that. Quez Watkins uh, left in the game with a hamstring. He'll obviously be back next week, but who gives a shit? It's fucking Quez Watkins. <laughs> um, but, no, it's – I mean, seriously, it's it's been – it's been early and often with the injuries this year. And I, I to be honest with you, I'm kind of hoping that we're just getting them out of the way early, right? Uh, Kobe Dean out, as you all know, we put him on IR, so he's out for at least another three weeks. Yeah, I, I'd like to think that they're getting the injuries all out early, like you said. But it kind of seems like when, when teams start to get injuries, like it seems like it just derails the season and it's just one after another and it never catches up. So fingers crossed. Well, and the worst part is it's happening in positions that you're already kind of thin at anyway, right? Um, You got some pretty good depth at corner, but safety we talked about. There's issues in the middle of the field. Linebacker, same deal. Um, These are positions that, you know, we didn't really value in the offseason coming into this year, and it's starting to hurt you now. You know, you you put three linebackers on a 53-man roster, you know, you're – realistically you're two injuries in a game away from having to play dime or nickel the entire fucking game. Yeah. Yeah. So about the injuries, Devante medics, Devante Maddox, peck tear. He's going to be out a little while. How does the cornerback rotation shape up with Devante Maddox? You've referenced it multiple times. He's one of the better slot corners in the league. You know, he's out, Bradbury's out. Like, it was interesting for me to see, like, obviously, I, I guess they're high on Josh Job. He gets the start. Maddox goes out. Goodrich plays in the slot, Mario Goodrich. He, you know, I don't think he played great. I don't think he played terrible. But where does Kelly Ringo slide in, right? Like, we talked about him multiple times. I, I know you're high on him. He, he fits the profile for a guy that should become a great NFL corner, like, just Big, strong, fast, like like what you want in a modern-day NFL corner. So, like, talk to me about how the cornerback situation shapes up moving forward. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's really interesting that you haven't seen Keely Ringo kind of crack the rotation yet, even with the injuries, right? Um, but just kind of goes to show you where, where I guess the team views him right now. Um, maybe he's having a hard time picking up, you know, the NFL defense, which – I have a hard time believing that. Yeah, Georgia runs an NFL-style defense, exactly. Um, but, yeah, it just shows you where, where the D-backs coach feels that he's at, right? Um, I know they drafted him kind of feeling like he was a little bit of a project, but, I mean, as far as a guy that's got all the tools, I mean, I, I would love to see him out there over a guy like Mario Goodrich, and, unless, you're, unless you're thinking that he profiles more as an outside corner. Well, he does. He's bigger, you know, which you know, he does profile as an outside corner. But I feel like there's still ways around that to see him on the football field. I agree. I, To be honest with you, I, I don't hate the idea of watching him play some snaps at, at safety either. Ooh, okay. So, you know, you, you talked about it a little bit, but you didn't really answer my question. You know, Avante Maddox is out multiple weeks. Bradbury's back next week. Buccaneers game. Who are the three corners on the field in nickel package, and where are they lined up at? I'll put you on the spot, baby. 
Well, I think Bradbury and Slay are obviously going to be back at it, back on the outside. Um, to be honest with you, I think they're going to put Job on the inside. I think Job's going to be your 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 slot guy. Okay, that that's interesting. I think they kind of view Job as as a little bit of a, a Swiss Army knife. They obviously trust him. They gave him the start. Yeah, yeah. I I, I was kind of surprised to see Job get first crack over Kelly Ringo. But I, I almost wonder. The guy I was calling for them to cut last season, by the way. Yeah, that, yeah that's that's crazy. But I, I almost wonder if Josh Joe being a younger player, more inexperienced, it would be easier for him to stay on the outside. And if you were to slide one of the veterans in who have more experience, move them to the slot. Yeah, I just I just don't see Slay or Bradbury. Okay. I mean they've never inside. they've never really played it. I just think it'd be easier for a veteran to adjust albeit a you know a young player, if that makes sense. Well and well that's the thing, right? Like a guy like Josh Job has to make the roster by being able to be versatile and play multiple positions. You know, you gotta be a dog on special teams, you gotta be able to play inside outside. When you're that when you're that third, fourth corner on the roster, you gotta be able to do what the fuck they need you to do. Okay. And, you know, honestly, I think coming up here against Tampa, I, f- I feel pretty good about him in the slot, right? Like, obviously you got – Chris Godwin plays the slot a lot. He's a dog out there, man. I do. I, I get that. But I do think he's going to have some safety help over the top, mm-hmm. which will help kind of, you know, mask that a little bit. Um, but, obviously, then you got to worry about the tight ends, right? So – not that they get, you know, obviously Gronk's not walking through the door anytime soon, but wouldn't you love to see Gronk on retire? Stay, stay, stay on a golf course, big fella. Yeah, dude, Gronk, Gronk, Gronk playing football is good for football, man. No, I get it. I just, no, no, I hear you. So, so circling back to the defense, you know, we kind of went on the injury tangent there. The good and the bad, right? You know, I, I'll start. I, I think they struggled in the middle of the field with linebacker and safety, kind of where, you know, I think we, both thought they were going to. But I'm really encouraged by what I saw on the defensive line, right? I, you know, particularly the two Georgia interior defensive linemen, right? Like Jordan Davis looks like he is ready to fucking play this year. Like he is a different player from last year. Absolutely. And by the way, Fletcher Cox is having a pretty sneaky good uh, start to the year so far. He, he's Everybody's playing... talking about the two Georgia kids, but. He's he's playing really well for a guy at this stage in his career. Um, you know, he, he doesn't look like a like a thirteen year vet out there right now. He he, st- he almost looks like Prime Fletch again. Ooh, pri- yo, Prime Fletch was different. I I can't say that. I think honestly though, I I really think he's playing better with a reduced number of snaps. I think the reduced number of snaps, and I think a lot of people's attention are on the young players. Yep. So he's kind of able to sneaky good start to the year so far. Yeah, and and, and at some point he's going to retire, but like the future at the interior of the defense line is bright, right? Like Jordan Davis, twenty two or twenty three, Jalen Carter, twenty two. Decent game from Milton Williams again. Dude, Milton Williams, right? Like he just plays and he produces, right? He's never going to get the pub, but he produces. So you know the interior of the defensive line from the young players played great. Sweat played good. Reddick, kind of a, a, a slow year again. I'm not sure how you feel about that, but you know, there's talks of him being in a quote unquote contract year. You know, w- when are we going to see something out of the you know number seven on the outside? 
Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting, too, right? Because late in that game, you saw some injuries to the tackles on the, uh, on the part of the Vikings, right? So I'm really surprised when their left tackle went down that they didn't maybe try and switch sides, throw Reddick over there, let him try to undress the, the backup at left tackle, build his confidence a little bit, maybe some easy pressure to the quarterback. I will say, though, great game from Josh Sweat. Yep. Um, looks like he's going to have another quality year, at least so far, it seems like it. Like to see that. Um, but I'm with you. It's been a slow start from Reddick so far. It has. It has. I, I think he kind of, you know, had that last year. Uh, my buddy at work, you know, he was telling me, he's like, you know, he's like, he had a thumb surgery. You know, that might be, you know, limiting him a little bit. He's a player that relies a lot of his hands as an undersized player. Do, do you think that has any effect on his ability to start the year? Well, he definitely, he definitely does a lot of hand fighting with his pass rush moves. Um, I, I don't know that it's affecting him that much. Um, but I do think, you know, kind of missing that little bit of time that he did in camp, that's definitely going to affect him a little bit. Um, you know, as far as getting reps against, uh, against guys. And, um, you know, again, another guy that didn't really play much in the pre, didn't play at all in the preseason. So, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I think I think he'll come back too. Um, I don't think it'll be a big production year like last year, but I do see a, a nice double-digit sack year out of him. Um, all right, that, that was my next question. I was about to put you on the spot. You know, we're two games in, a lot of football still to play. Where does Reddick finish the year at with the sack total? I'll give you an over and under because I know we're both betting. twelve and a half. Twelve and a half is where he finishes, or that's where you're putting the over under at. I think that's where he finishes the regular season at twelve and a half. Twelve and a half. All right, so. Shit. Oh, that's such a good fucking line, dude. Like, he's going to be right at that 12-13 number. But, all right, you know, I, I'll take the under. Just just for shits and giggles, I'll take 12. And you got to remember, too, right? Like, the sacks really aren't going to be there like they were last year. Last year, we were kicking teams' dicks in early, right? Putting them in obvious passing situations late in games where these guys could just pin their ears back and go get the quarterback, right? Strength of schedule this year is completely different. You're playing a lot better quarterbacks. They're going to be able to get the ball out quickly. They're not going to hold the ball and try and play hero ball and, and put themselves in harm's way. And, you know, you're not going to be playing with these massive leads for entire halves of games where you can just pin your ear, ears back and go get the quarterback. So, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Um, back to the defense. You know, we talked about how they were attacked in the middle of the field, the defensive line, what have you. Four turnovers for the defense. You know, I'm going to contribute some of that to the, the Vikings just being the fucking Vikings. Dude, they could do. not hold on to the fucking ball. I know. Four turnovers without interception, right? Like, it's just, it's it's so unique to be able to do that. Is this going to be the new Eagles defense, right? Like, the Vikings moved the ball up and down the field. They got a ton of yardage. Is, is this where we're at, right? Like, you know, we talked about it before. They're not as talented as they were last year. Are they going to have to be this defense where, you know, you know, they're allowing yards between the 20s, bend but don't break, and then they just they get those turnovers to help swing the game? Is that is that the new look Eagles defense? Well, obviously, the key to any NFL game is, is going to be to win the turnover battle, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, I think you have playmakers in that front seven there that are going to be able to jar the ball loose. I think you got two playmakers on the outside corners that are going to be able to get you some picks. Um, honestly, as long as you're limiting teams to field goals, uh, mixing in a few uh, a few stops here and there, I think you'll be fine. 
right? But it definitely was concerning to see them give up that many points late in that game last night. Yeah, you know, it, I don't want to say it was concerning for me because, A, that's what the Vikings do, right? Like, just Kirk Cousins just eats up those, you know, third and fourth quarter passing yards. And, and B, they're they're down so many players, like we said, right? Like, they're just, they got second and third string guys in, like, you know, Nicholas Morrow, who's on the practice squad, is playing a lot of snaps. Like, so, you know, I don't think I'm too worried about the amount of yards they're giving up, but I, I think that is where they're going to be at as a defense, right? Like, they're, they're, they're not as talented, and they're going to have to play on the turnovers and getting key stops in the red zone, right? Like, I, I really do believe that's modern-day good NFL defense. Well, with that being said, though, your offense needs to be able to to pick, to hold up their end of the bargain also, right? And, you know, back to the negative side, back to the offensive side of the ball, they're just not holding up their end of the bargain right now. There's way too many empty trips out on the field. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like it. The fucking offense seems to be struggling in the red zone this year. Yeah. Something that I really didn't expect. And, and it's just concerning. You know, it, it the, the play calls, the play calling still looks vanilla. Um, you know, again, Brian Johnson's only a second time, a second game calling plays in the NFL, but even still like the play design concerns me also, right? Mm. Him and Nick Sirianni are supposed to be these offensive guys, right? Sirianni was billed as, as an offensive guru, right? He, he did great things with that offense in Indianapolis and this and that, but you know what I saw from the Vikings last night that I didn't see from the Eagles? I saw them scheme guys open. I saw them use motions to get matchups that they wanted to get the ball in the hands of their playmakers. I don't see this team utilizing motions to get mismatches on the outside, on the inside. Like, what's what's wrong with starting Goddard out on the line, motion him out last minute before the snap, get that mismatch, with a linebacker following him out. Nice, easy completion up the seam. What's wrong with doing something like that? What's wrong with doing a jet sweep motion with a guy like A.J. Brown? Make the corner follow him over. Scheme him open. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I, I, I get what you're saying, like 1,000%. And I feel like just they haven't done that the last couple of years, and they haven't had problems with it. And, you know, back to kind of what you said in the beginning of your tangent there, it's it's discouraging to see the offense. I wouldn't call it a tangent. I'd call it analysis, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. You know, <laughs> yeah, I did, tangent might be the wrong word there, but it, it's kind of discouraging to see, you know, the offense struggle given short fields and stuff. But, like, for me, it's also encouraging to see through two weeks they won both games despite the offense struggling as much as they did. No, and I, and I said that to start to show off, right? Like, if you're going to be adjusting stuff, it's it's definitely good to do it while you're still in the win column. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, again, it just concerns me. The offense looks very vanilla. And you mentioned that we didn't really ut- utilize a lot of motion the past two seasons. But, again, that was when the RPO was working. It's not working. Yeah. You know, you didn't have to scheme guys open because – you were reading and reacting. 
So do, do with you them slow playing things the way that they are right now and taking away the RPO? Yeah, you know, and honestly, I think that's why Jalen's holding onto the ball as long as he is right now too. He's waiting for plays to develop because we're not scheming guys open to get the ball. Do, do you think that's maybe not necessarily the coordinators not wanting to move players around pre-snap and maybe that that's a problem with Jalen Hurts? Like maybe he struggles with that? Like I, I don't know. I'm just kicking shit around here for shits and giggles. Like maybe he's not good with getting players lined up pre-snap and all the motion like he didn't do it at Bama he didn't do it at Oklahoma he hasn't really done it with the Eagles maybe that's a weakness of his game where the coordinators are covering it up well maybe it's something that needs to change you know to be honest with you he's he's in a pretty damn good position with Jason Kelsey in front of him Kelsey does all the blocks Kelsey calls out all the block all the pass protection right Kelsey sets the pass protection Hertz has the ability to check it and change it and move it but Kelsey sets it. That's one less thing he has to worry about pre-snap. So you're telling me you can't you can't tap your foot and motion a fucking wide receiver? I, I don't know. Because it's too much pre-snap, then you shouldn't be an NFL quarterback. Woo! That's if it's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, if, if but yeah. All right. To me, I think it's just a vanilla offense. It's it's a bland fucking milk toast version of an NFL offense, and I don't like it. All right. This isn't high school. This isn't Indianapolis, and it ain't college. You have to scheme guys open in this fucking league. No, I, I agree with you, and, and I think A.J. Brown's going to have to be one of those guys that they get involved week three. You know, eventually he's going to get his, if you will. Um. You know, let's switch up. You know, we talked about the game a little bit. Let's get into gambling. That's personally my favorite thing. Um, you know, I, I know it's called not so sharp picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. Here we go. Not so sharp picks of the week. Nice transition, by the way, buddy. Yo, dude, I, I've been, uh, you know, I don't want to say I'm a podcast veteran, but, you know, we've been doing this on and off for a year and a half now, and I've picked up on some of your cues and some of your mannerisms. I feel like I'm, I'm really shaping into a, a podcaster and a on-air personality, you know? Absolutely. Definitely, uh, definitely, I, w- I would call you a co-host now. Oh, okay. You okay. Kind of help steer the show. Don't, don't make me blush over here. So, I. Uh, my thing's loading up. You know, let me get your picks first before we come into my shit. Um, I talked about it. It was kind of a a weird Saturday slate. So, you know, it's kind of a struggle to find picks for me, which is unique because I can always find shit to fucking bet on. Right. Well, and, and, well and you kind of shoehorned yourself a little bit, too, because you already told people that you plan on giving college picks on Fridays. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, kinda, me, I just I, give the picks that I give. Yeah, yeah. Um, with that being said, I'll leave the college stuff to you. But I got a nice, juicy little parlay here. So, a little inside baseball. I do a 1 o'clock parlay every week where I pick a, a good amount of the 1 o'clock games. I parlay them all together for a big money payout. 
hit one last week, six legs. Um, FanDuel's throwing out these profit boost tokens like fucking candy, and we are here to take advantage of it. All right, so for my first pick this week, I got a five-leg parlay, all one o'clock games. You'll know if you're into money or not before the four o'clock games. And then by then, you should be playing with house money, and you can lay it down. We are going to fucking bankrupt FanDuel this week, boys and girls. <laughs> we got a five-leg parlay for you. We got the Tampa Bay Bucks at home against the Chicago Bears. Detroit Lions at home against Seattle. Um, not buying into the Seattle hype. I think they had a nice little season last year, but I think they're going to settle back into earth this year. And the Lions look absolutely incredible so far. We got the Buffalo Bills at home against the Raiders. I don't think I need to explain that one. We got the Chargers at Tennessee. It's Ryan Tannehill. He put up what nine? They put up nine points in Week One. Um, the Chargers hung right in there with the Dolphins and that air raid that Tua put on. Um, and then I got the Cincinnati Bengals looking to bounce back at home against the Baltimore Ravens, who I think played a little bit out of their mind Week One. I think they're going to settle back to earth here, and I think Joe Burrow's going to be ready to silence some of the haters here after that piss poor performance in week one um, with your 50% profit boost from FanDuel Sportsbook. You're going to be getting plus 1127 odds, throw $25 on that for a $306 total payout. Uh, like I said, that's all one o'clock games. So you should know whether you're in the money or not by four o'clock start. Now we got a nice little same game parlay cooked up for you also for the Buffalo Bills game. Um, Kyle doesn't like that I do this, but I love taking spreads and money line at the same time, right? And typically what I'll do is I'll take an alternate spread, um, something a little bit easier to cover, especially if they're throwing out these 50% profit boosts. They keep throwing these profit boost tokens out there. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna turn it into easy money. I'm going to tease some stuff down, make it easier to convert. So we got the bills on the money line. Bills alternate spread to cover minus two and a half. Alternate total points, 37 and a half. I think the total for the game, I want to say, was uh was like 40, 48 and a half, maybe. Who's that? I'm sorry. Uh on the Bills game. Uh I forget I forget what the total yeah, I was, but I know I'm significantly lower. Um, and then I got Josh Allen to throw for 200 yards on alternate passing yards. Nobody says you gotta take the big the big lines, right? Um, you throw a couple of cupcake picks together here and make it a little bit easier on yourself. You use that 50% profit boost token. You get plus 123 odds, so pretty easy parlay to play, to pay out plus money. You were at minus 122. You're now at plus 123. Uh, $25 for a total payout of $55. Um, like I said, boys and girls, it should be a nice hot week. Your boy's on a heater, and I'm hoping to continue it. Now, Kyle, I know you've been on a little bit of a slide, a little bit of a slide. Hey, not so, a great week for you last week. So, uh, so I, I, let's I, try not to steer the people wrong here with our gambling picks. I'm not going to call it a slide because I've been positive two weeks in a row on college football. You know, NFL is not been so kind to me. But before oh, we get into your that, boys on an NFL heater. Your boys on that. an NFL heater. I want to shout out you betting twenty five dollars for a bet, like. 
starting to rub off on you, man. We up in we up in the ante on the bets. Well, you know the units are climbing a little bit, and and I think a lot of it is these profit boosts that they're throwing out. Um, I'm looking at the profit boost as free money, mm-hmm. and it's max twenty five dollar bets. So, if you're giving me profit boosts, I'm gonna try and milk every bit of it that I can, especially on something like that. Um, that same game parlay I had in the Bills game, uh, something I feel really confident that it's gonna hit. Hey, you, you keep bringing up these uh, profit boosts, man. Shout out Fandle, profit boost. Who who doesn't hate them? You know, free money. Not sponsored. I mean, Fandle, where's the sponsorship out, right? Like, we're plugging you here. But, so, college football, that's going to be my picks always. I got five picks, despite it being a, a week slate, I think. I got the PSU, Illinois, under 48 and a half. Uh, two teams that like to run the ball. Historically, they've been low-scoring games the last couple of years. Mississippi State plus nine and a half dollars. And these are all straight bets, right? Yeah, yeah, all straight bets. You know, we're we're aim- five picks. We're aiming to go three and two, turn a positive, uh, you know, turn around there. Mississippi State at home versus LSU, who's a good team, but nine and a half seems a lot for an SEC matchup. I'll take the points there. Kansas State minus three and a half at Missouri. North Carolina minus six and a half. I, I think over the last two years, I've picked North Carolina more than anybody. Uh, they've always been good to me, so I'm going to pick them to cover. And then for the nightcap, Colorado State at Colorado. Uh, I got Colorado State covering at 23 and a half. Three and two is the goal. Turn a positive note. That's what I got for the Saturday's college football slate, buddy. So I'm going to pass along a pick that I got from my boy Dave Padano at work. He's telling me to take Western Kentucky with the points. With the points. Okay. At yeah, Ohio so State. At Ohio State. Yeah, all right. What what is he like got family from Western Kentucky or what's the inside scoop there? Um I don't know. He just walked up to me today and he says lock of the week for you, Western Kentucky with the points. Oh shit, it wasn't even mid conversation. Homie just said I got to tell him. Yep. Okay. Just walked up and said, I got a lock for you. See that that's a conviction pick right there. Like if I'm in mid-conversation, I bring up a pick. But if I'm if I'm looking for somebody and I'm saying, yo, take this pick, like dude, boy's got some conviction in it. Yeah. So shout out Dave Fidano. Uh if you guys believe in him as much as I do, you'll sprinkle a little action in on that. So Okay. All right. I think we got some good picks out there for the people, don't you? Yeah, I hope so. My money's on it. Um, so before we go, I, I, I do want to know, like, what, what's some, what's some things that you're looking for the team to improve on here, uh, moving into this, uh, moving into this next week's game against the Bucks. Obviously I know we got, um, you know, two more shows to do before, uh, before we cover that game, obviously, but never too early to start looking ahead. Right. So not necessarily a bye week but kind of a bye week with a, you know, playing on a Thursday. I don't know if you can improve on this, but just getting healthy, I think that's going to be a big thing, right? Like, I think that's obvious, kind of cliche to a you know point, but I think that's a big thing, right? Like, you got to get healthy. You know, I think Bradbury's going to be back. Scott should be all right, I think, you know, fourth running back. But still, like, some of these guys got to get back, got to get these guys healthy, get them on the field. And then it's just going to be the offense, right? Like, I think the offense has got to really take a, a hard look at themselves. Because for as much success as they had running the ball, that's not going to be their identity moving forward. That's not going to, what's going to be winning them a Super Bowl. 
they're going to have to be able to throw the ball, put the ball in Jalen Hurts' hands down the stretch of games. So I, I really look for um, the head coach, the OC, to really, you know, kind of get in the lab and, and kind of take a hard look at themselves and see what they can do to improve the offense. Absolutely. So real quick, I, we, we talked about this before, right? I think a lot of people kind of underestimate it what this team was going to look like with two brand new coordinators, right? It it hasn't happened in modern football that you've lost both of your coordinators in the same year. It just does. It doesn't happen. Um, and so you're looking at, I don't want to say a total reset because obviously there's some continuity there on the offensive side of the ball. But for the most part, you're looking at a total reset, right? Two brand new coordinators. And I think we kind of underestimated that rolling in here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot that. of the reason that Shane Steichen and, and Hertz were able to put together the season that they were last year was it was the first time that Hertz really was able to to have back-to-back years with the same coordinator. It was the first time that it had happened for him since high school. We talked about it all last year mm. and how huge that was for him. Um, and you give it to him and you take it right away because Shane Steichen's going to Indy, right? Um, so I, I think I think we definitely got to you know do a little evaluation ourselves as fans and realizing that there's going to be some growing pains um, with two new coordinators. But as I mentioned earlier, it, it's, it's got to start fucking changing now. Um, I mentioned earlier, I kind of alluded to it when, when talking about the offensive line and how it seemed that once, once we started running the ball, the pass protection got better. I'd almost like to see them come out and run the ball early. I know it goes against Sirianni's philosophy. He believes in pass to pass to score, run to win. And I get it. And it worked out great last year. But we can run the ball down people's throats. We can demoralize them. We can wear them down. And we can build confidence in our offensive line at the same time. Like I said, they were really able to settle in in pass protection. After we started running the rock, I think you get the offensive line in a rhythm. I think you get the entire offense in a rhythm. You come out, run the ball early, at least a little bit, establish the run early, get those hogs moving up front, and hopefully the pass protection follows suit. So I, I'd like to see a little bit of that moving forward. You know, I, I hear what you're saying with establishing the run, but when you got AJ Brown. Devontae Smith. And I'm not saying Dallas not Goddard. Guys. I'm just saying I want to see them run the ball more early. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd, I'd agree with Get you. Get everybody but not, into a rhythm. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, like, I guess as long as you're winning, that's the end result. That's all that people fucking care about. But you can't be throwing, running the ball 40-plus times every game. No, and I'm not asking for that. Because, you know, A.J. Brown's got paid. Jalen Hurts got paid. And damn be fucking sure Devontae Smith is going to get paid when he's his time's up. So it's like you got a lot of money invested in these, these pass catchers. So, like, you, you're going to have to figure out the passing attack. I, I get what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying to an extent. Right. I, I just think running the ball early is going to help is going to help you set up the pass a little bit. Yeah, it might. It, or, it's going to get your line into a, into a rhythm. It, We've talked about it. I mean, this, this offensive line struggles in pass protection, but it seems that they play better. Once we start to run, and are, then they're able to settle in on pass pro. Yeah, no, it, it it might help them. It should help them, and also it might make that 
transition for Brian Johnson calling plays, it might make it easier as he figures out what works for the passing attack. If they're able to kind of run the ball a little bit more and then ease into figuring out what him and Jalen Hurts do well together. Oh, 100%. Like, if you're a new coordinator and you have the ability damn near any time you want to just hand the ball off and get five easy yards, mm. that makes it a lot easier, you know, if you fail on a first down pass play. Yeah. You know, you still walk away with a net positive in yardage. So, I don't know, just something to think about. I'd like to see them run the ball a little bit more early. And uh, I, I think you mentioned it. it. It's time to get healthy. You know, get these guys in the training room, get them worked out, um, and start trying to get these guys back because we're we're hurting at positions we were already thin at. So, mm-hmm. Yes, sir. All right. You got anything else for the people before we wrap it up? Nah, man. Another good show. Always glad to be here. Absolutely. All right, guys. We'll be right back here next week, Tuesday, ready to start breaking down all the X's, O's, N's, and outs, Jimmy's and Joe's on the Eagles-Tampa Bay game. Uh, we'll probably dive into a little bit of uh, week two action around the rest of the NFL on Tuesday also. Kind of help fill the show out for you guys. Um, can't thank everybody enough for rocking with us live here tonight, Facebook and uh, Twitter Live, X, whatever you want to call it. Um, everybody that's going to check in with us over on the audio side, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks a lot for tuning in with us tonight. Go Birds!